everywhere you go, always take the weather with you. This might have been a legitimate option for crowded house in 1991, because the weather was generally good company back then. But now you can't take the weather anywhere without it trying to kill you. What was once a kooky friend with seasonal affective disorder is now a mortal enemy descending from the sky like a merciless seagull. Wherever you look around the world, you'll see the weather trying to ruin people's lives. In America, they have so many deadly storms now that they've run out of normal names for them and are having to use porn star names, as shown by Storm Felicity Asplay and Hurricane Terry Testicles. Australia suffers forest fires so often now that everyone in the country has to be a fireman and the economy is tanked because no one's allowed any other job. In the UK it gets really hot sometimes and you need to use a fan. And some non-white countries are probably struggling as well. We focus on storms and forest fires because they look really cool, but the weather is also being a dickhead in slower, more sadistic ways. Icebergs are melting and causing more regular flooding. Initially, scientists believed that this was because sinking the Titanic had given icebergs a taste for blood and they wanted more, as documented in the 2002 film Titanic 2 Berg Baby Berg. But unlike in that film where the Titanic rose from the ocean floor to defeat the iceberg and save humanity, it looks as though now the only people that can save us are us. The politicians have given up. With the latest Paris Climate Agreement having all references to cutting back fossil fuels removed and replaced with references to praying to the sun god Ra for mercy. Religious figures such as the Pope and Gwyneth Paltrow are now all in complete agreement that the problems with the weather show beyond doubt that God wants to kill us for some reason. And even the musicians and artists who we used to look to for hopeful messages think we're done for big time. In the 70s and 80s, bands used to make music with synths and vocoders because they thought it sounded like the future. But no one is making music that sounds like the future now, because it would just be the sound of people screaming. Actually, there is a market for that, but you get my point. Have we reached the point of no return? Probably, but we've got to keep on trying anyway because it'll look bad if we don't. And that's where I come in. Welcome to Joe Bates Explains the Weather, a guide on how to stop the climate from changing, or at the very least get it to change to something good, like creating more fog and mist so it feels like you're walking around in a film noir. We'll go through all of the options, from joining Just Stop Oil to taking on the weather in physical combat and see which one is our best bet for saving the planet from destruction. We'll start with one of the first things you can try, winning the argument. There's a lot of scientific research that suggests the climate is getting warmer year on year. On the other hand, the weather is still quite cold sometimes, so who knows what to believe? It's scientific consensus now that global warming is happening, so presumably there's a lot of reading out there that you can do to win people over. But it's unlikely that you can be asked doing that, and even if you could, you probably shouldn't. 
because if you actually understand it, you'll end up just sounding like a nerd and no one wants to be lectured by a nerd. And if you don't understand it, you might end up a climate change denier and immediately start fracking your garden. So when trying to win people over, just stick to the basics. That records for higher temperature are being broken every year and there's a definite increase in dangerous weather events. However, one of the main points people will say back to that is that actually the weather isn't getting permanently warmer or more insane. It's just going through a bit of a phase. Are they right to say that? Well, let's have a look at what the weather used to be like. Clearly it was hot in the past. We can see that from the fact that dinosaurs didn't wear clothes. Unfortunately, no written records exist from this time because all books were destroyed by the media. So it's only when humans started documenting their lives that we started to get some written reflections on the weather. We know Egypt is hot now, but was it hot back in the time of the pharaohs? It looks like it was because the Egyptians had a specific hieroglyph for the phrase, I'm getting a sweat on eating this. The design of which is now used as the logo for Toby Carvery. A few thousand years later, we got a lot more written records through the different holy books. All the major world religions were created in hot countries. This indicates that God likes the sun and explains why living in England sometimes feels like living in a land that God has forgotten. The Bible in particular is full of references to how warm it is because as a westernised white man in a Middle Eastern country, Jesus wasn't remotely equipped to deal with the heat and regularly got sunburned, making his miracles even more impressive because he was in absolute agony the entire time. So yes, it was hot in the past, but that doesn't mean that the weather isn't getting hotter now. However, it may not matter to the person you're arguing with that every year breaks the record temperature now, because they remember it being hotter in their childhood. And it wasn't this snowflake heat that you get these days that asks for your pronouns before burning you. It was proper heat. You may say that you definitely feel like it's been getting hotter every year, but really, what do you know? You can't remember what you did at the weekend. The years have become a blur ever since you turned 30. You can barely name a single thing that happened in your life or the world for most years in the last decade. Never mind remember exactly what the weather was like. Sure you might remember that in 2016 David Bowie and Prince died, but not whether it was lovely hot weather when they passed away. And yeah, you might remember that 2020 was COVID because you still feel guilty about how pleasant you found being locked down and having all choices taken away from you but you can't remember if the weather really contributed to that lovely feeling. Speaking of COVID, that's another example why it's risky to try and win the argument. No matter what evidence you give, people may still not believe you. If you walk around the SE4 area that I live in, you'll see COVID is a hoax written on a lot of the walls and signs. Does that mean that some people in SE4 don't believe that coronavirus is real? Not necessarily, because it was actually me who did that graffiti in a fit of rage when someone flaked on a date with me by saying they had to self-isolate for six months. But there are definitely still people on the internet who believe COVID isn't real. This means it's going to be hard to convince people that global warming is happening. And even if you do convince people the weather is getting hotter and more volatile, it doesn't mean they'll accept that it's such a bad thing for them. For instance, many people alive now will be dead before the time global warming really kicks off. 
so they'll be fine. And they hate the younger generation so much that the thought of them having to deal with all the fire and everything really makes them smile. Another problem with trying to win the argument is that people will also be able to name some definite positives of global warming. A recent BBC article weighed up the pros and cons of a climate apocalypse and included things like, yes, we'll soon be waist deep in water the entire time, but the bottoms of buildings will be cleaner than ever. There's also the philosophical side of things. Yes, if we keep using oil, the world will burn, but isn't it better to burn out than fade away? With all the wars and pandemics, Earth now definitely has an incoherent, running out of ideas at the end of the series feel. And maybe it's better if it ends before it finally jumps the shark like Game of Thrones. And when you think about it, maybe there will be some positives to global warming. We all love a conversation about the weather in this country, but they can be a bit boring sometimes. But as global warming increases, they'll get a lot more interesting. It's a bit hot, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Do you think it's a bit too hot? Well, yeah, as you can see, my cat's on fire. And everyone loves barbecues, and the science is clear that as global warming increases, so will the number of days you can have a barbecue on. Then we'll all die, but at least we'll die al fresco. See, this is the exact danger of trying to win the argument. You might end up talking yourself into supporting global warming just like I have done just now. So it's best not to try and do this on your own and instead maybe join a protest movement like Extinction Rebellion or Just Stop Oil. This is a good thing to do even if you're a lot older than most of them and even if you feel like joining them would be similar to the time you signed up to TikTok. Technically not illegal at your age yet, but it feels like it should be. Sure, if you're like me, at the last protest you attended against the Police, Crime, Sentencing and Courts Bill, a photo was taken of you which revealed your huge ball spot which you had no idea about until then and it had to be covered up by a friend with a Kill the Bill logo so it didn't bum people out. But no matter what your age or level of baldness, we still need to fight to save the planet. But are these groups like Extinction Rebellion and Just Stop Oil trying to save all of our lives in the right way? People say Just Stop Oil in particular are being childish and annoying and are picking the wrong targets by defacing innocent paintings and stopping important football matches between Everton and Southampton. If they were really serious about their cause, people say, they'd follow the example of the Suffragettes, who won Best Female Protest Group at the 1923 Brit Awards. The Suffragettes are often cited as an example of direct action and protest working, because one of their members, Emily Davison, threw herself in front of a horse, and then politicians said, fair enough, you can have the vote. But was it as simple as that? Emily Davison threw herself in front of that horse at the 1913 Emirates Grand National, but women didn't get the vote for another 15 years. 
If you look at the media during that time, it's not clear that the protest was well received. Entitled Millennial Traumatises Horse was the headline the Daily Mail went for, whilst The Telegraph ran a campaign to spite the suffragettes by extending the vote to horses. Much of the coverage sought to discredit Emily Davison and the suffragettes, with newspapers pointing out that some of the women were from affluent backgrounds. Something that's fine if you're actively trying to destroy the world, but disqualifies you from doing anything you can to change it for the better. Some historians argue that Emily Davison's horse fiasco actually set the cause of women's voting rights back because the press successfully convinced people that if women can't be trusted not to run in front of horses, they certainly can't be trusted picking our government. Some of this might seem to have echoes to some of the newspaper headlines now. When Just Stop Oil blocked the road a couple of years ago, a woman tried to run them over in her car. Far from being unpopular, she became a bit of a national hero and now has a seat in the House of Lords. People react strongly against their lives being disrupted, unless it's because of government cuts which are fine. Maybe you can say that the disruption is needed because in the long run you're creating a livable world for them and their children. But if you don't have children yourself, then they'll rightly be like, why are you trying to save the world for my children? It's a bit creepy. Leave my children alone. Even people who support your cause may be put off by direct action, because in reality their commitment to the cause is as thin as a dairyly cheese slice and they're always one minor inconvenience away from voting Tory for the rest of their lives. So best to avoid the whole direct action thing and inspire people indirectly. And when it comes to climate change, it could be the best type of action is doing nothing. Because by doing nothing at all, you'll be reducing your carbon footprint. A carbon footprint is a lot like a real footprint apart from in most ways. But one positive is that your carbon footprint is easier to change than your real footprint. You don't have to cut off any of your toes, you just need to stop eating meat and going on holidays. But a lot of people would say that they'd rather cut off their own toes than do either of those things. I personally can't imagine why anyone would want to leave England or eat steak when jackfruit is readily available, but it does raise the uncomfortable reality that reducing your carbon footprint isn't going to be much fun. Reducing your carbon footprint is also not very cool. You know what they say, big carbon footprint, big penis or vagina. And unfortunately, having a big carbon footprint is something associated with success. There's a reason the phrase winner winner chicken dinner isn't winner winner corn dinner because it doesn't really scan and it sounds more like a punishment than a victory even though they do have some really good stuff now. And some of our heroes have the biggest carbon footprints of all. We idolise music stars who travel around in private jets even for short journeys. Flight logs recently showed that Taylor Swift took a private jet to get to her outhouse to use the toilet. And if you dared criticise this online, you were hounded by Swift fans, known as Taylads, telling you that you should be punched repeatedly in the face. This happened to me recently and it made me despondent. What's the point of reducing my carbon footprint 
if Taylor Swift doesn't. She's arguably got a lot more influence than me, even if she doesn't have her own weekly slot on Resonance FM. But then I thought, that's the answer. We can defeat the weather by influencing people. And the best way to influence people is to build a billion dollar global media empire to spread your message. Instead of not going to school and being sassy on Twitter, Greta Thunberg should be buying newspapers, greasing up to politicians and hacking people's phones to get stories. The fact that Greta doesn't do any of this is another piece of evidence that she isn't taking climate change seriously. So it's up to you to start building that media empire and change people's mind. Once the empire is built, you can then make people get annoyed at climate change by making up a load of scare stories about how the sun is coming to take your jobs and wives or how it wants to have access to female-only spaces. You should combine this with the facts of the story Specifically that the sun really is going to kill us if we don't stop it, and that will get people really furious. But then you find that the story gets out of control. People are beginning to blame the weather for all of their personal problems, and politicians are trying to win people's votes by playing to this panic that your newspaper and TV channels have created. Keir Starmer becomes Prime Minister because of your newspaper's backing. You personally write his manifesto and his catchphrase, tough on heat, tough on the causes of heat. All he's ever wanted in life was to be loved by Tories and the super rich. And with this new power and authority, that's in his hands. But the adulation doesn't last long and soon people grow sick of hearing his stupid pathetic voice all the time. He needs to prove he's a big man. So he goes onto your TV channel and announces to the nation, people of Britain, we're going to war with the sun. Then our brave lads and lasses fly into the sky in brand new Virgin Galactic rockets, which Richard Branson gave to the British Army in exchange for Keir Starmer privatising the NHS. They begin shooting at the sun. Initially, it does no damage. As they get closer to it, it continues to do no damage and they're getting really warm. So they sack it off and go back home. It's the greatest British act of running away since Dunkirk and people are inspired by this beautiful act of cowardice. On their return to earth, the leader of the forces makes a statement. Citizens of Earth, we can't beat the sun. Honestly, we had massive guns and it did sod all. We must change our ways to protect our planet. He's got such a beautiful tan that everyone listens to him. And when Keir Starmer refuses to take action to stop climate change because he's worried about losing voters in the home counties, he's put in jail forever. And the rest of society finally takes the action we need to save humanity. So, the planet is saved, and as a little extra bonus, Keir Starmer is in prison indefinitely. It's a vision of a beautiful future, which you can make happen if you start building that global media empire today. 
And that's the end of my guide to climate change, and given that it very well could end up saving the world, I think I've earned a little break, don't you? Well, even if you don't, I'm having one, because that's the end of this series of Joe Bates Explains It All. Thank you for listening, supporting the show, and thank you to Resonance for putting it on. Please listen to all the shows on Spotify repeatedly so I can finally monetize my wisdom. If you need even more of a fix whilst I'm away, you can follow me at RealJoeBates on Instagram or JoeBates with three S's on Twitter. Cheers, everyone. Thanks again for listening. Catch up soon.